You guys may be seated. Hey, thanks, Blake. You are very good at what you do, my friend. Robin, man, all you people. Hey, look, there's Jason. Hey, wave, Jason. Y'all can't see him on the camera, but hey, man, congratulations, Jason and Savannah on your baby girl, Stevie. That's awesome, man. Way to go. Way to go, Daddy. More so way to go, Savannah. We all know how that works. We all know how that works. Man. Lana, and they, they ran away. They already left. Jesse and Caleb. Man, thank you guys for blessing us. That was rich. So how do you catch a rare rabbit? Unique up on it. Mm, I'll wait for it. <laughs> how do you catch a pet rabbit the tame way? Oh, yeah. It doesn't get any better than that. Come on now. Now, let me tell you a story. I grew up in Livingston, Texas. You can't truly appreciate those jokes because you don't know the one I learned them from. And so, Randall Witt, if you are watching, my youth pastor in junior high and high school, his name was Randall Witt. True story. I'm not lying. His last name was Witt. W. H-I-T-T. -T. Randall, if you are watching, he's still in ministry. Uh, you are a hero, and you've, uh, you have influenced me much in the way of witty jokes and really bad ones. And so, Travis, where are you at, buddy? Travis, are you here? You still here? There you are. So bright, I can hardly see you guys. Hey, just know that they're listening. Just know that your students are listening, if nothing else, to learn some good jokes from you. And so, how, <laughs> I'm not staying there. This all has a purpose. It always does. How do you catch a monkey in Africa? True story, no joke. This is how they used to catch it. They used to take a mason jar type jar and they would bury it in the ground where just the top of it was showing a little bit and, and, and a little bit of the glass around it. And they would take a shiny object. And they would put that shiny object, didn't really matter what, as long as it was shiny, they would put that shiny object in this jar that is anchored to the ground. The monkeys, monkey see, monkey do, doing their monkey business every day, and George of the jungle, I don't know who it was, but the monkeys would come by, and they would, they would see that shiny object, and they had to have it. They had to have it. And so, this is true, it's true. I've never tried it myself. Maybe you have. If you can tell me a story afterwards if you ever tried this. I don't have any monkeys to try this on. But they would stick their hand in that jar, and they would grab that shiny object. Okay? And then when they tried to pull their hand out of the jar, guess what? They could not get it out. Because now their hand would not come out of the top of that jar. And as much as they could, they pulled, they pulled, they pulled. They would not let go because they wanted that object so bad. The humans would come. They would grab the monkey. They would shake the shiny thing out of its hand, leave it in the jar for the next one. And then that monkey would be captive. Let me tell you that that is the word of God for us today. We are captivated by many things of the world 
that captivate us. And that's the word, right? Captivated. That we are captured. We are in bondage, enslaved to things that are shiny in the eyes of the world. And the world pursues these things. But those things, those are the very things that capture us and enslave us and hold us in bondage. Now, you may not know this, but my brother, I have an older brother. He's two years older than me. He also went to... Uh, grew up through the schools of Livingston. He also had Randall Witt for a youth pastor, and so he's got great jokes like I do. And uh, he's a pastor of a church about an hour from here between Cleveland and Dayton, Texas. And he today is doing, is doing something I thought was pretty cool. It's Valentine's Day, right? And so he's having, for anybody that wants to, I saw him this morning, he was doing a Facebook Live. Brad, you're doing a great work. He, he watched, sometimes he'll watch. He's, he's a great guy. He's a fallen guy just like me and you. But he's doing a great work there, and God is working. And today, even as we speak, you know what they're doing? Anybody that wants to, that's married, can renew their vows in the service. Isn't that cool? And anybody, he opened up to anybody that wants to get married today. He said, look, everybody, anybody can get married. If they want to get married, he's giving out. He has free printed marriage certificates. He's giving them out. Like, isn't that amazing? Like, wouldn't that be cool? We're not going to do that today. We're not. Uh, but I would say this, little aside, if you would like to get married, let's talk. Not to me. I mean, I'm married. I'm happily married. But if you're in a relationship, work with me here. Come on. That's all I got. If you're in a relationship and you would like to get married, let's talk. That would be an honor uh, to be a part of that. And today, if you're here, you're like, man, that would be really cool to renew my vows. And you would like to do that, let's chat. Let's chat, because those are all fun things. But today, you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about false prophets. I thought about that, as you are right now. Kind of let down. And they seem kind of, I'm going to make up a word, I'm not sure if this is a word, they seem kind of dichotomous. You know what that is? I don't either. It's like two separate things. It sounds like some kind of tree. Are trees dichotomous? That's something else, right? That's it, deciduous. I knew there was something. Listen, <laughs> I'm going somewhere, right? I'm not just meddling. Stay with me. Stay with me. We are going to get to God's word. I promise. I promise. Stay with me, okay? But look, look, look. This is what God showed me, that there is much love there is as much love in what we're going to talk about today as what my brother is talking about at his church an hour away. They're showing one side, the, 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 the external, the, the incredible way that, that, that we show each other's love that mirrors the love that God has for us through marriage. My brother is honoring that today. You see, there's love in leading people to the good things, but there's as much love as keeping your loved ones from the bad things. Are you with me? So today, God's going to show us some love through Peter. It's just going to look a little bit different, okay? So I want us to open up God's word to 2 Peter chapter 2. We've been on a journey together for about a month. And we've said that really Peter's heart, he knows that this is his end. He's going to go be with Jesus. He knows this. He's in prison. He is going to be martyred within days. We don't know how long. And so he's writing this letter. It's his last will and testament to the early church in, in modern-day Turkey, in that area. Churches all around 
there. And he's saying, hey, look, I just want you to experience the Jesus that I got to experience. The Jesus that I know has transformed my life. And he's given me a hope that I never found in anything else. And he's given me satisfaction I never found in anything else. He's given me life that you, I've never found anywhere else. And I want you to know this. And that's the idea. He, he's telling the early church to know Jesus. Like that is the richest thing that we could ever experience. Sounds familiar? Just sing a song. There's nothing better than Jesus. That's what, that's what Peter said in chapter 1. Not only that is you have everything you need to experience Jesus in, for, for your life, in your life personally. You have everything you need. And he says to strive for that. Strive for Jesus is what he says in chapter 1. And it's sort of the marriage ceremony my brother's doing over there an hour away, chapter 1. And then chapter 2 is the same coin, but it's the other side. It's like, strive for these things, but beware. Beware that there is an enemy. Beware that there are his servants that want to tear you down and keep you away from experiencing the goodness that God has for you in your everyday life. And the eternity that he has for you. And we said these, these servants of the enemy, Peter described them in our verses, the earlier part, verses 1 to 10 in chapter 2 of 2 Peter. He described them basically as wolves in sheep's clothing. Like beware, they may look like you, but they're not one of you. They, don't, they, they have not bowed to the king, the master. And they're trying to lead you astray. And then we said, beware of them, but also be cautious as sheep to put back the wolven clothes. And it starts smelling like wolves again. And so Peter's saying, hey, there's an incredible life for you. And the enemy is so good. Peter said in 1 Peter, he prowls around like a lion waiting to devour, right? And that's what the enemy does And so we pick up in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. I'm going to go back and read verse 10 because it makes more sense there. I don't know if it will be up here because we're in the middle of a sentence. I want to go back to the beginning of the sentence. But really what I want you to do, what, what I want you to take away from these verses is last week we got kind of a, a, a beginning of a picture of who these false teachers, false prophets were and, and what they were doing and how they were trying to trip the sheep up. The wolves were trying to trip the sheep, the sheep up. Well, today we get a little clearer picture. I want you to go away knowing, knowing the scheme of the enemy a little better. Second Peter chapter 2. We did get there. Verse 11. I have verse 10. I'll start in verse 10 and principally we'll go through verse 11 to 22. He says this, this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. He's just describing these wolves in sheep's clothing among the early church. Bold and arrogant. They are not afraid. Some of your versions say they don't tremble to heap abuse on celestial beings. These are angels. We, we think these, these, it says celestial beings in my version. These are angels, yet even angels. And so the celestial beings, we're thinking that these are the fallen angels. I read a lot about these things. There's not complete, complete clarity on these things. So we think that these are the third of the fallen angels. And so, so they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. Okay, so there's these. let me just be honest with you. All of it we're going to read, this is tough. These are tough things. I'm a firm believer in this, that many times 
the most difficult passages in Scripture can be the most profound and life-transforming for us. And yes, John 3, 16, for God so loved, is powerful. I believe this is too. Also God's word. And it's profitable for us today and useful for us. So we're just going to dig in. So these people, they are bold and arrogant and prideful. And, and they will do things and say these things that are so bad that not even the angels, even though they know the truth, would even say. Verse 12, but these people, these people are these false prophets, blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. He says a lot there about what they pursued and what they want. They want the things that animals want. You can fill in the blanks, okay? And what do they get? Well, death. That's what sin, this is sin we're talking about. Call sin, sin. Sin leads to death. Verse 13, they will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. And that's bold, right? I mean, all those night things you fill in the blank of sin, they're just do it in the day. They're, they are evil to on steroids. Okay? They are blots and blemishes. Man, these are strong words. Reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. So the picture, get the picture there. Like they're going to the Sunday potluck at church, sitting among those that are just seeking and just new. I mean, think about it. The church is brand new at this point. It's, this was not that long after Jesus. I mean, these are decades since Jesus. And, and, and the early church, it was so fresh. And these are brand new believers. And, and these Wolves are sitting with them at the potluck lunch on Sunday or Wednesday night dinners, which was fun, by the way. We're going to have one again soon, so just wait, just wait. Man, this is what they were doing. With eyes, verse 14, with eyes full of adultery and never stop sinning, they seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed. And so, listen, listen, I'm going to try to unpack some of this while we go, okay? So they, they seduce... The unstable, what does that mean? These are brand new believers. They haven't had the opportunity to be rooted in the knowledge of the truth. They're not, not very deep-rooted, okay? That's what he's saying there. And they are experts in greed. We talked about that last week. Greed. Greed. The pursuit of money, the pursuit of more, and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, some of your verses may say Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. Just homework. Go read Numbers 22. That's where we find that story. But um, it says in verse 16, verse 16, but he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. That really happened. Go read it in Numbers, 20, 20, Numbers 22. Listen, if you are living in sin, doing something that is completely opposite of what God told you to do, and an animal... A donkey of all animals begins to talk to you and tell you to, hey, that ain't right. It's basically, I'm just, that's a short story right there. Say, hey, hey, Balaam, the, the donkey, like literally spoke in his native tongue, not in the donkey's native tongue, right? In, in Hebrew, right? He talked to him and said, hey, what you're doing ain't right. You're running from the Lord. This is not what God said to do. If that ever happens to you, record it. And stop it. Whatever that is, stop it. That's what he's saying. They're just like him because he too was greedy. 
if you go read the story, you'll see the greed within it. It's like, man, you know, the Moabite king, you know, you can give me a palace, you can give me these things. Maybe, kind of implying maybe I will prophesy and curse these people of Israel. Okay, I'm not going to go there. We don't have time. But that is what he, these people are like Balaam. You're greedy people doing anything they can to get more power, to get more money, to get more things. These people, same word, these people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. Like, man, you don't want to be, I mean, let it be said, you don't want to be one of these people. Okay, these are all strong terms and true. You don't want to be the false teacher. You don't want to be the one that's, that's drawing away the sheep of the flock. Okay? You don't want to be that guy. It's very clear here. For they mouth empty boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. There again, it's talking about new believers that are so easily taken away and led astray. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Listen, that's true. That will always be true. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Listen, we're going to come back and unpack that in a moment because that there can be a very troublesome verse for us as we read that. But we're going to get to it. So hold on. Verse 21. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness for they have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. So happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Man, he does. By the way, on a, on a note there at the end, verse 22 came alive to me about 15, 16 years ago. We had just moved to a small town north of, north of Tyler called Quitman, Texas, and we didn't have a home. And so I was married to my beautiful bride who's holding somebody's baby over there in the nursery today, I think. She's not in the service today. But we, we moved from Waco, where I finished my master's at Baylor, and we moved there. And so excited. We were serving a church, First Baptist Quitman, Texas. And, and there were some sweet people that let us live in their home for three months while we looked for a home. We ended up buying a brand new home, and God was good. It was great. And Josiah was born there. And then we moved to South Dakota, and it was really cold. It's a lot colder in South Dakota than it is here today, I promise you. But uh, get back to the story. So we had a chocolate lab named Lily. She was a crazy dog. And she was smart yet dumb. Y'all know dogs, right? This is the way. Men are like that too. Sometimes women, probably more men. But, but I remember coming home one day, and I saw the dog. I saw my beautiful bride. And I saw my dog vomit in front of my beautiful bride. This really happened. And then I saw my dog eat his vomit. <laughs> Have y'all ever seen that? Am I the only one that's ever happened? So what's here is true. God's word is true. And I know it now practically. I mean, that is true. That really happens. And, you know, I've never washed a pig. Have y'all ever washed a pig? Anybody ever washed a pig? I've never done that. Does it go back to the mud, Jimmy? It must be these things are true. That's an aside, by the way. You're welcome. You're welcome. But, listen, I titled this message today, all seriousness. I'm joking a lot today. But in all seriousness, I entitled the message today, Check Yourself. Check Yourself. 
really this passage, just like last week, is very much a beware of these false teachers. This is who they are, and this is what they do. But it also, at the same time, is very much for us a reminder to no longer be that way. Because we once were there too, if we were in Christ. And we're only one step away from living back in that, in those ways. So it's another challenge today to not look like them. So who are, who are these people? The first thing there in your notes, we find in verse 12, these people, they are doing these things, but they lack understanding. Have you ever done something but didn't really know what you were doing? No, I, I have. I have. I mean, I remember growing up, we were just not long ago, we were popping fireworks. And I remember growing up when I was popping fireworks, I mean, we did all the things I tell my kids not to do. I mean, didn't you? Hey, just, just last Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, there was this guy, I don't remember what, what side he's on. He's on the, let's see here, I'm trying to think. Pat Mahomes is right here, quarterback, looking at me. You got the, the, the nose tackle, right, in the middle. The guy on the right, what is he? He'll help me out, you football people. The guy, He's a defensive tackle? Okay, I don't know if he's defensive tackle or, or end. I don't, I don't know. But it's Jason Pierre-Paul, all right? And I can see him swinging around on the Bucks. Now he has a big ring, another one, right, because he got one from the New York football giants from years ago. Okay, that's where he used to be. And the funny thing about him, you know, he's like, when he raises his hand, he's like this. Why? Because he did that thing I tell my kids not to do. He's blowing up fireworks that he shouldn't blow up. He blew off his fingers. He blew him off, but he still got a Super Bowl ring. He's still, he's still good. I did that. I mean, I never blew my fingers off. I've got all of them, but I came, I've come really close. And why do I tell my kids not to do that these days? Because I now know better. You see, back then, I, I had no understanding of what I was doing. That was silly. That ain't smart. It ain't right. And we shouldn't do such things. But we don't know it when we're doing it. Listen, verse 12 says, hey, Peter says, the Holy Spirit through Peter says, hey, this is what these people are doing. They're doing these things, but they don't understand the incredible footprint of collateral damage that they're leaving in their midst. And they don't understand what they're doing, and nor do they understand what they're going to get because of what they're doing. And it's not good. That's the description there. It's not good. So these people, these are, these are not people you want to be a part of. These are not people you want to know. And so if you find one of these people and you look at them and you're like, whew, man, I don't know, and you have questions about them, run because they lack understanding. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't know the depth of what they're doing, the strength of what they're doing, and where it's even coming from and what they're going to get because of it. They lack understanding. That's what Peter says in verse 12. The next thing is they lack restraint. What's the difference between an animal and a man? The will to restrain yourself. Think about that. He goes to describe these false teachers. That, hey, they have no restraint. Verse 13 and 14. He even goes on to say that that's exactly what that donkey did to Balaam. Balaam was living like a donkey. The donkey spoke and said, hey, you should not do that. The donkey literally restrained him. Isn't that interesting? 
The donkey restrained him. You see, when we live out our lives without restraint, whatever that is, my friends, if you are not living with restraint, you don't put a governor on those good things, those good desires that God has put in you, if you release those to whatever and you show no restraint, you know what you are? You know what I am? Because I'm guilty. (laughs) Wow, I'm guilty of this. We are animals. That's what Peter says there. We're animals. Living our life with no restraint. That is a defining thing. God gave us the capacity to choose. The capacity to know with our minds that, that this is good and these are not good. And he gives us the capacity to choose. And that is the difference. But these people, they lack understanding. These people, they lack restraint. Where's my phone? Just this morning, this is hot off the press. I was just reading this. That's your phone. This is my phone. I was about to take my son's phone from him. Not today. Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. I'm going a little long right here, but listen, this is so important. As I thought about lacking restraint, I was thinking about sensual things. It's so important. We need to restrain those things. Listen, if you're struggling with sensual sin, you need to identify it, name it, get an accountability partner as a man or a woman. If you're a man or a woman, find that person, lean on them, and listen, do everything you can to flee those things. That's what Paul says. Flee those things. I was thinking, that's what I thought this was saying. And this morning, I was reading, there's this guy named Bodie Bauckham. I don't know if you know him. Back when I was a teenager, I remember him. He was like one of the, he was a, he's a really big guy. But he was a big preacher back in those days. He did a couple of youth camps that I went to back when I was in junior high and high school. And he's still a pastor, preacher. He was overseas. He's been struggling with, with uh, a lot of fatigue. He's been struggling with some other things, other symptoms. And they found out that he has some, they don't know, some really major heart issue. So he's on this journey. He's overseas somewhere preaching. Right now, as we speak, this is like literally three hours ago this was posted. So this is hot off the press. Like, I did not plan on reading this today. But, but this is so pertinent to what I believe God is saying in his word about restraint and how we should apply this as sheep, as God's chosen children, as his people. And so they're coming back and they're having a hard time getting back so we can have these tests. We don't know exactly what's going on. You guys can pray for Bodhi. No telling what's going on. But it's something major. Something major. He writes this. The journey continues. This is Bodhi Bauckham Ministry. This is posted by Bodhi this morning. After spending the night in Joburg due to a cancellation. I don't even know where that is. Maybe you do. We are back at, where's that at? It just says Joburg. That's where it's at. Is that, is that short for that? We got from, from here to Doha. Where's that? Okay, I don't know either. That's okay. Oh, okay, yeah, there you go. Over there. Afar. <laughs> That's what we say in East Texas. Afar. Um, okay, so Bridget and I are overwhelming, overwhelmed by the encouragement and support we continue to receive. So this is his wife, Bridget. But the struggle is real in more ways than one. Listen to what he says. I hate being the guy pushed around in a wheelchair. There's a picture of him. You can't see it, but he's being, man, I lost it. I just took a picture of it. I like, just took a picture of it not long ago, okay? I lost it, but I wish you could see a picture. He, here's this gigantic African-American man who was a star football player at Rice University, could have played professional football. He chose not to, to serve the Lord. 
okay? Big man. I remember seeing him as a junior in junior high. Like, this guy was, is a big, he was back then a lot bigger than he is today. Big, big man. I hate being the guy pushed around in a wheelchair. He's being pushed around in a wheelchair by someone. He's, got, he's, got, he's in an airport. You can see it. He's got a mask on like we all have to do in those kind of places these days. What I hate even worse is the pride that the Lord is revealing. He says this, I have always been bigger than most, stronger than most, but now I can't walk through the airport under my own steam. I was the voice of the Genesis 3D movie, but now holding conversations can be a challenge. That was a movie that he did. He was the voice of it. The Lord is reminding me once again, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He says this, listen, this, this is where I was going. Okay, listen to what he says. I want my strength back. I want my stamina back. I want my voice back. I want my healthy heart back. But, I want what, but what I want more is to be content when I don't have those things. Wow. And knowing that godliness with contentment is great gain. I just know what God was saying to me in this. I don't know what he's saying to you right now. But listen, this idea of restraint means that we, we as children of God need to find contentment and to walk, not just sing with our mouths. That's why I prayed that prayer. God is, man, he's, I'm wrestling with this. Not just sing that Jesus is better, but to apply that today. In my struggle. Because we all have our struggle, right? I mean, I have mine. I've got my battles. You do too. You've got your battles. Listen, the restraint comes in to, to stop that never-ending pursuit of selfishness that we all have. To make our lives better. And to stop and to choose to realize that the greatest treasure that we could ever have, we already have, my friends. You see, that's restraint. The other side of it, that's contentment and accepting the incredible gift that we already have. You see, these people, these people, these false teachers, they are pushing people the other way. Just pursue more. Pursue more sensuality. Pursue more money. Pursue more power. Every way they can. Find your, your substance in something else. And we're going to read next what that means. Go get those things. Almost as if, look, I'm no donkey. But listen, for all of us, it seems like maybe through this messenger, God might be saying to me and to you today is to stop pursuing those things. It's not right. It ain't right. That's not what God wants. God has a better way. He has a better thing. He's got great riches for us. He's got great treasure for us. Just choose to realize. Just stop the never-ending cycle of pursuing more and realize that you have best already. I went to meddling a little bit there. Sorry. Man. So these people, they lack understanding. They lack restraint. 
They promised freedom. That's the third thing, but bring bondage. It's very clear here in your passage. They promised freedom, but they bring bondage. Why? Because they themselves don't know freedom. That's what it says there. That they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to depravity. They're slaves to their sin. They're enslaved by it. It's a never-ending cycle that goes downward and downward. And the deeper you get into it, the harder it is to crawl out and see even the sea out of it. Sea out of it. Excuse me. It's just the cycle of sin. And these people have been in it so long, they can't even see out of their own depravity. And there's this really interesting paradox between these people who, verse 17, these people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. And they mouth the empty boastful words. They promise them freedom while they themselves, verse 19, are slaves to depravity. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And there's this picture that Peter draws of a people walking in the wilderness in the desert. And they had no water. And they see the oasis. And they get there. And the oasis is promised to be all that they've needed to satisfy. And they get there. And the oasis didn't deliver. It was dry. And that's what he says. They're, they're a seeming spring that offers freedom and yet they have nothing to offer. And the paradox is, as we put it in line with what the rest of the New Testament teaches, we see another well that wells up to eternal life. One that wells downward, that's dry, that leads to death. But yet another that leads to life. And we... And here's where we come into this. We must be a deeply discerning people. We, that's our responsibility. Here's where the sheep come in. We must grow in our ability to discern that which pulls us into destructive things. And that which leads us into life-giving things. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. (laughs) I just feel like I say that every once in a while, kind of bring some levity to it, because this is weighty stuff. This is weighty stuff. And let's get to verse 22. I told you I would get there, because some of you guys are like, I got I to gotta know what that means. Here's the point there, the fourth point. They know better, these, these prophets, these false prophets, but they have never known Jesus. I, I, want, I want you to get the picture, and it goes back into the dogs and, and, and the, the pigs that really has a purpose here that we, that we get to. But listen, there is a vast difference between having a knowledge of Jesus and knowing him as your Savior and your Master. You know, if I just were to read verse 22, you know, 21 and 22, we kind of get there. Of them, the proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit, you know, and... I get this picture. If I just read that and don't read this like we're supposed to read it in context, I might say, hey, these people, these people that it's talking about, they were sheep and they went back and became wolves. They had eternal life in Jesus and then they lost it. They had salvation and they lost their salvation. It seems just reading it, that's very clear, but it's not true. Why? Because that's not what Peter's been talking about. 
That's not the context of the verbiage that he's been using. He's been using this language of the wolves and, and, and doing that intentionally. And, and, and as we look and read in, in, in context here, and, and we read it also in the context of the rest of Scripture, it's very interesting that, that actually this verse clenches the idea that if you are a believer, you will always be. It is sealed. All right? And, and it, this verse actually seems to do the latter, and it clenches the idea that these, what it's talking about, these, these are non-Christian false teachers. As we look at all the rest of Scripture, we know that God never called his own people dogs or sows. He calls other people that. Nowhere else in the Bible does he say that. Non-believers are everywhere else called dogs, sows, goats, donkeys, foxes, and wolves. Those are all unclean animals. When God addresses his people, he uses clean animal terms. Why? Because in Christ, that's what we are. Okay? What are those? Well, sometimes we're called sheep, lambs, and oxen. God even goes so far as you can't, you can't even strap a donkey with an oxen to pull your wagon. Why? Then you got to clean with an unclean. That's the idea of being unequally yoked, all right? We can talk about that another time. not going to unpack that today. But... You see, the, the purpose of this is, is to know that, that these dogs, that's the unclean term that's used throughout Scripture, they never, ever were transformed into sheep. Dogs are dogs that return to their vomit. Sows, pigs, another unclean animal. You can wash them up. You can put lipstick on a pig. But they're going to go back and wallow in the mud. It's just what they do. And so the picture is that these animals have never experienced 1 Corinthians chapter 5. If anyone is in Christ, he is a, what's the word? New creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Now, it does say they know a lot of things. They are well informed about Jesus and who he is. They know how to fit in. And, and they must have been really good at it, as a matter of fact. It kind of looks like they even may have been leaders of the church. Why? Because they were really good at putting the lipstick on when they came. They were really good at hiding what's going on on the inside by dressing up the outside. Jesus called whitewashed tombs, right? Hmm. But fake it till you make it will never line up in Scripture. You can pretend like the inside is good. And we might look and see, man, that guy, he's got it together. I mean, that guy walks with Jesus. Well, I think that guy might walk on water today. And now, given it might be frozen as we leave. We might think they have it all together, but on the inside, man, are they really? No way for us to know. Are they really? Because there is all the difference in the world between a dirty sheep and a washed sow. Think about that statement. All the difference in the world between a dirty sheep and a washed sow. You see, a dirty sheep is someone who has made Jesus their master. Who has bowed the knee and has accepted the righteousness of Jesus, that that is what cleans us, right? The blood of Jesus and his righteousness. 
And so we have been transformed, gone from a goat to a sheep, using that language. We have been transformed, but many times we go back sometimes into that lifestyle where dirty sheep. Now you clean up a pig, you can make it look really nice, but on the inside, they're still a pig. Why is it such a big deal? Michael Green says it this way in his the second epistle of Peter and the epistle of Jude, the commentary. He asked the question, why has Peter expended so much powder and shot? Because this is very kind of, he's shot. Shot across the bow, right? Powder and shot on the false teachers in this chapter. Because, this is what we talked about the last few weeks, because he is primarily a pastor. Peter's a pastor. He is concerned to feed his master's sheep. Why? That's what Jesus told him to do, right? I mean, Peter said, hey, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. He's just doing what Jesus said to do, right? He loves sheep. He loves the church. And he goes on, he is furious to find them being poisoned by lust, masqueraded as religion. Study this portrait carefully. Your eternal destiny may well depend on it. So I'm going to go back to that statement of the title of this message. Check yourself. Check yourself today, my friends. How are you doing? I mean, really on the inside. How are you doing in your walk with Jesus? Hmm. Are you, in this story, are you unstable and shallow-rooted in your walk with Christ today? Are you at risk of being easily swayed away from the narrow way? That's the that's what the passage says. They have gone away from the straight way. Are you there? If so, today, like, what's all this saying to, to you? I hope that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, I'm really trusting that, that God is really encouraging you to get serious today about deepening your roots in Jesus Christ. Really digging in and getting serious about knowing him more and walking in his ways, and really being able to say with all honesty, Jesus is better. I've experienced it. I know it, not only because Scripture says it. It's true because Scripture says it, because I personally have experienced him. Maybe you're here today, and you have, for many years maybe even, you have done the right things. You have looked the right look. But you're struggling right now. Like, man, is this really true of me? Have I ever really been transformed by Jesus Christ? It doesn't seem like we can go to chapter 3 till we answer that question, my friends. So I ask you, is that you today? And if that's you today, even if you even question or doubt that, can we talk this week? And I know there's going to be ice coming, but I can call you, right? We can, we can do a Zoom call or later in the week when it warms up, we can, we can meet. Let's talk. I mean, this is what it's all about, you all. If you can't truly move on to chapter 3 knowing where you fall in this story, we, we need to talk. We need to talk. And I would love to tell you more about the one who has who has saved me so many years ago, and I'm learning how rich of a treasure he really is. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. 
that's the takeaways I'd, I would have for us today. If you're unsure of your salvation today, I hope today we get that nailed down. I mean, find me. I'll stay here as long. I'm not scared of the ice. I lived in South Dakota for six years. I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll drive you home. I'm, I'm okay with that. We'll talk and get that settled. But if you are in Christ today, I hope you go away with a deep hunger to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. How, how do you not give way to chapter 2? That's it. We talked about this in our small group. If you're not in a small group, you are missing out, my friends. We talked about this on Thursday, last Thursday night. Is, is we can't even take this next step in our journey with Jesus without Jesus. We're inept. And, and, and so this idea of hungering for him, we actually need today to not only confess that we have not hungered for him like we should. I'm guilty, my friends, today. Let's be honest. I, I'm guilty. We need to pray today, not only confess that we haven't, we need to pray that Jesus would help us do so today. We need his help. We need the Holy Spirit to tabernacle among us, not only here, I mean in us, and give us a burden and a hunger for the, not the ways of Jesus first, but the knowledge of Jesus that will give birth to the ways of Jesus among us. Listen, my friends, that's what chapter 2 is challenging us to do, and may it be so today in our hearts, in our midst. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you for who you are. It really is a tough passage today, but it's your word. And God, we're all struggling today with some part of this message. And we're all in need. We're all desperate for you to come and redeem. And you redeem all things. You turn beauty from ashes. God, I, I know that those, those of us in the room who are following you, there are areas in our life that we need to leave behind because they're evidence of the old ways and they're keeping us from pursuing you with all of who we are. So God, right now, may your people, whether in the room or all around the world, right now, I pray for a spirit of confession and repentance. God, that we would go away being able to say with all integrity and all honesty that above all things we want Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Church, would you stand?